Hi, this is Robert Cunningham, pastor of Preaching and Vision at Tates Creek Presbyterian Church. We want to thank you for listening to this resource, and we hope and pray it will be a blessing to you. One quick word, though, before you listen. While we are honored to be a resource for you, we do want you to know that an online sermon is no substitute for congregational life. It's a good supplement, but what you need more than anything else is membership and involvement in a local church. If you are not a member of TCPC, I want you to know that listening to your pastor is far more valuable than listening to this. If you are a member of TCPC, I want you to know that joining us in worship on Sunday is far more valuable than listening online. So to everyone, we are encouraged that you have sought us out, but much more encouraging would be for you to seek out a local church community. That said, thanks for listening, and may God now bless you as you do. So this morning, our passage, uh, and if you were at the women's Bible study a couple of weeks ago, I I hope that you did not pay particularly close attention then. Uh, If you did, uh, you don't have to now, uh, because this might be somewhat familiar. But here in Daniel chapter 6, what we have is an account of someone who by all accounts, by all reason, should simply throw in the towel and quit and give up. But rather what we see as someone who is a follower of our faithful Lord, we don't do that. Rather we persevere, we persist, and all along we see God's grace. Uh, There's a phrase that I've often heard, I heard this growing up, and uh, it's not a good phrase, but I, I hear it often. And it's that in the midst of trouble, man, I just go along to get along. And that is, I just want to ride out the wave of whatever difficulty is coming until that wave of tumult is over, and then I could go on about my way. I hope what you'll see this morning is that is not a mark of a follower of Jesus, but rather by faith, we persevere in the midst of difficult things. I think it's uh, our temptation to always want to become uh, an ally of that which we are opposed to, If you read throughout the New Testament, we're often referred to as aliens and strangers in this world. And what can happen for us as we wait for Jesus to return is that this world can feel really, really comfortable. And we are to be reminded of, no, God has called us to something greater. And Daniel himself in this great famous account will be the both truth and illustration this morning of someone who perseveres depended upon the grace of God throughout his life. All right, so let me just very, very briefly put this book into context. If you're not familiar with the Old Testament, there was a great civil war that divided the nation of Israel. The north was Israel. The southern was Judah. Uh, Judah went into captivity in 586 to the Babylonians, the Babylonians, and this is the account that we have. Daniel was part of that captivity. He was part, he was a prisoner in a foreign land, and the scripture tells us that God told him it would be for 70 years. So Daniel knew he could wait this out for 70 years and then go back home. And this is the picture that we get inside of the story of what it looks like to persevere when you know you're in a place where you are not designed to be. So the teaching this morning is pretty clear. Here's a scenario. Here's a follower of God who is living where he is not designed to be while he waits for his deliverance at the hands of his God. 
That was true some 2,500 years ago. And let me suggest that is the exact same place that we find ourselves today. We are waiting for our Savior to come. How do we wait in the midst of uncertainty? So many parallels to our life today as followers of Christ. Let me mention three observations here from Daniel's life that I hope and I pray will cause us to persevere in the midst of the unknown. First, notice Daniel's constant awareness of his real surroundings. His real surroundings. It's fascinating to look at his life and see how well he seems to be doing. I mean, he is an exile. He's in refuge. He's a prisoner. But yet, as you read about his life, we continually see some of these strange things that happen to him. But yet, he continues to prosper day after day, year after year. Uh, He first served under King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was put into the fiery furnace with three of his friends. But now, as these 70 years of captivity persist in the Lord's timing, he is still a ruler. And there's this great verse in verse 3 that's a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That it says that his excellent spirit within him. That is, he continued to thrive even in the midst of when things were difficult. So when a new ruler came into power, Darius, Daniel was part of one of three leaders who would be overseeing the entire country with even the promise of someday greater responsibility. So again, here's the picture. It's a man of faith in God, a man of faith in Yahweh, living where he's not supposed to live, living amongst pagans in a pagan culture. And what does he do? He remains faithful to his God And he prospers inside of that culture. He was fulfilling the mandate of Adam and Eve to have dominion all over the world. He was doing it. He was faithful in all of his ways. He was salt and light. He let his light shine before men so that they would see his good deeds and praise his father in heaven. You see, being aware of your actual surroundings means that we don't take time off. That is for decades. No, rather we Sabbath and we Sabbath well, but when we go about the callings of our life, we do them with excellence as unto the Lord. You see, Christians don't go through the motions. We don't go along to get along, but rather whatever opportunity is put before us, we do those things well to the glory of God. See, Daniel could have simply said... I'm going to wait out these 70 years. I might be an old man, but this exile is finally going to be over and I'll just go home and get on with the rest of my life then. That would have been the easy thing for him to do. But obviously this is not what he did. For Daniel, in God's providence, he was involved in government. That was the door that was open for him. That was both his gifting and his opportunity. And what did he do? He did it well. In fact, he did it so well that the local folks didn't particularly like him anymore. When you look at verse 13, we see that that these other people, the ones who lived there, who were not looking for a better home, they simply persecuted by name-calling. They called him that exile. Not the one who did work well. Not the one who was faithful, but rather a reminder of, you're not one of us. You see, when we're aware of our actual surroundings, when we're aware of where we belong, we recognize that as we serve the Lord here in our context, 
we will have people who disagree with us. We will have people who look down upon us. And we will have people who don't like us. I think we're all in need of a constant reminder. This is not our ultimate home. We long for the day when a Savior will return here and make things as they're supposed to be. So the question is, what do we do now? And the life of Daniel says, whatever God has given us the ability to do, we do it well with an excellent spirit inside of us. That's what we do. So the first thing is we remember our surroundings. We long for a day and we work here. But the second thing observed from this passage as we persevere as we wait on Christ is that we are to build a life built upon gratitude to God. Our lives are to be lived out, breathed out, fleshed out with thanksgiving, even in the midst of struggle. So again, here's a scenario. Daniel now has enemies, people who don't like him because he works so well. They disguise themselves as his friends when actually they are outrageously envious of him and they want him dead and gone. So here they come up with this bogus law probably simply taking advantage of of Darius's pride and simply say that you may not pray to anyone or anything or give thanks to anyone or anything other than Darius for 30 days. They knew exactly what they were doing. And Daniel, who knew exactly where he was, living on point, dialed into his life, was not to be deterred. What does he do? He completely violates the new law. He goes to his place of prayer and engages in prayer to the Lord in the exact same manner he had always done before. Again, put yourself in Daniel's shoes. It was only 30 days. He could have just waited it out. He could have pouted and just said, oh, you've got to be kidding me. He had access to the king. He could have petitioned him to change the laws. He could have done any of this. At the very least, he could have changed his schedule and not prayed at the same time every day so they wouldn't have found him. But I love the fact that the crisis did not drive him to start praying three times a day. He had been doing it for years and years and years. He did not change his behavior because of the crisis. Rather, his behavior had been changed long before because he recognized he was not where he was supposed to be. He had the spiritual discipline of prayer already. So what did he do? He bowed toward Jerusalem. And this was, it's not prescribed by the law. He did not have to do that. But rather, it was a reminder to him. His hope came from that place. That place of the king. That place of promise. That place of Messiah. That place of Savior. It was a reminder to him. Three times a day, again, it was not prescribed. But rather, it's a good idea. That morning, noon, and night, he would gather before the Lord. But it's fascinating. I I love this, just on an observational level. It's not just that he prayed, but notice what he did in his prayers. Yes, there was petition, but it says specifically, he gave thanks to God. Three times a day, every day, on his knees, facing the direction of his hope, he thanked the Lord. And I would argue with you this morning that this is the hallmark of a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what we do. We thank the one who is sovereign over us. 
We thank the one who has orchestrated our days. We thank the one, no matter the circumstance, that we persevere. We are people who perpetually are giving thanks to him. Not falsely, not under false pretense, but truly recognizing, even in the midst of this death sentence, that God is who God is. Now I wonder... The first time he went to pray after this new law was passed. What did he thank the Lord for on that day? Did he thank the Lord that he's going to violate this law and be sent to the den of lions? Perhaps. It seems that all of his prayers previously hadn't even been heard. Or how could such a law even be passed? But we see none of that here. What we see is a man living in exile, remembering where his true hope arrives and doing what he was called to do. I think Daniel sovereignly answered the prayer and the call of his God who was ultimately sovereign. I suspect that Daniel, even if he was a bit confused, thanked God that God was controlling all things for the crisis and for whatever deliverance the Lord would have for him. One of the commentators I read as I studied this passage said this, and I think it's good for all of us and good for us to be reminded. He said that the Lord will take you into the eye of the storm only to show you that he's the master of the storm. Do you have that category in your heart? That that's how desperate God's love for you is? That he will allow you to go through things that you would never dream possible. To remind you that he is the master over your world. See, that's what God does for us as we pilgrimage with him. As we journey with him. He will allow us to go through things and reveal himself along the way. Again, is that a category you have in your faith? I hope for all of us this morning that, yes, we do have set disciplines of prayer, whatever that looks like. Morning, noon, and night is a great suggestion. But what I hope is that our prayers will begin and end with thanksgiving, that we will recognize apart from God's grace, we would have nothing. We would only be his enemy. But because of his grace, we have so much, even if it's a hard circumstance. Martin Luther said that the work of a cobbler is to make shoes. The work of a Christian is to give thanks to his God. I think that's so true. We could all use a healthy dose of recognizing all that the Lord has done in our life. So we've seen our need of this awareness. We've seen our need for gratitude. But lastly, notice this in Daniel's life. Uh, Thirdly, notice his perseverance regardless of the circumstances or the outcome of those circumstances. Uh, This is the exciting part of this passage. And I I don't know why we typically leave Daniel in the lion's den, the children's story. This is a good adult story. But here we have Daniel breaking the law. Very intentionally, very publicly. He didn't change his location, didn't change his time. And here his accusers come. They report the crime to the king Darius. Once again, Daniel is in trouble and all he has done wrong is be faithful. All he's done is honor the Lord. He's been in a fiery furnace. Now he's going to a lion's den. So the king is just. The king keeps his word. 
He puts Daniel in the den. He seals it shut with his own signet ring. Darius doesn't sleep all night. He fasts. He knows that Daniel is innocent. And yet he knows all of this is wrong and shouldn't happen. But because of his own pride, he continues. And what happens? We get this beautiful picture. God's angel was with Daniel all night. It appears that Daniel slept just fine, or he rested just fine, or he fellowshiped just fine. Daniel spent the evening with his Savior. Daniel spent the evening with the one who would protect him and love him and care for him. The text does not tell us that Daniel knew in advance what the outcome was going to be. I don't think he did. Rather, he lived by faith regardless of the outcome, trusting that his faithful Savior would do his will. If he died, he died. But yet he persisted in following the Lord, giving thanks along the way. He did not view this as the grand finale. Rather, he viewed it as part of the journey. Now, obviously, God provided the supernatural, and we love that. And there is this fascinating component that that Daniel was spared because of his blamelessness. You need to know that's not that Daniel never sinned. That's, That's not the case. It's rather that God chose to look upon him and to give him mercy. But notice the end here of the passage. What happens to Daniel after he comes out of this den? What does he do? In verse 28, it appears he just went back to work. He went back to work and kept prospering. He kept doing whatever it is he was called to do. He suffered crazily with these circumstances. He trusted the Lord in the midst of them, and he went back to work and continued to prosper. It's what he did. You see, as followers of Jesus, no matter what our circumstances are, we don't quit. We persevere. We persist. So I don't know what's hard in your life today. I don't think you're going to a lion's den. But I think for every single one of us, there are times that we don't cry out and say, Jesus, you've got to be kidding me. I'm facing this? I don't know that Daniel could have made that up. Perhaps he could. But for us, there are things that we can't imagine this would happen. And yet Jesus allows it to happen. So as we consider Daniel... And we consider his faith and we put our new covenant perspective on as followers of Jesus Christ. It's hard for us not to read these words and remember that there was another man where there were trumped up charges against him for crimes that he did not commit. Where he too persevered. Where he too was sent to receive the punishment of his crimes of which he was innocent. And this same God who protected and preserved Daniel did not protect our Lord Jesus. But rather all of God's wrath went upon him. He was not spared. Rather he received the punishment that he did not deserve. Jesus received the wrath of this same God for our sin. So that our sin would be put upon him and in God's goodness his righteousness would then be put upon us. You see, Jesus kept his task at hand. He was on point. He remembered his surroundings all of his life. He was offered as a thank offering in worship of God so that our sin would be forgiven. He persevered to the very end. 
And why did he do that? So that we now are part of his family. We belong to him. And his declaration to us this morning is, people of God, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Whatever circumstance you find yourself today, you can persevere because Jesus Christ is with you. And he will not leave you. And all of God's people said, amen.